Welcome to Software Security Chat Chat, episode 53 for March 21st, 2011, the first day of spring. I'm Chester Wisniewski. I'm here with Michael Argast again this week. How are you doing, Michael? I'm doing great. Like any other first day of spring here in Vancouver, it's wet and cold. It's great to have you back. And um, a couple stories this week that all seem to include the letter R, for those of you who like to keep track of those types of things. Um, RSA. Can't avoid that one. Being PWN'd. Yeah. Um, this is kind of bad news, isn't it? It is. Well, I mean, it could be bad news. It's hard to know exactly from what RSA has said. but Well, they said it was an advanced persistent threat, which only means it's more advanced than they were. Yeah, well, it's hard to know if they used advanced persistent threat in the marketing sense of the word or if they actually meant that there were specific foreign elements involved. But Well, if they use it the same way Google uses it, then it's not very advanced. It's just simply persistent and threatening. Well, persistence is important when you want to break into somebody like RSA. But I guess, uh, you know, there's a lot of question about, you know, are these tokens still any good? Are they owned? Um, you know, one of the big, I think, risks is a lot of organizations tend to use two-factor as a, f as a way of offsetting weakness in the first factor, which is password mm -hmm. security. I totally agree. And so... Um, you know, a lot of the best advice out there at this stage is make sure that your first factor, your password security is actually secure. And um, we don't know what's actually happening with the second factor. We don't know if these tokens are, you know, going to be out there for sale on the Internet or if they were going to be used by a specific set of attackers or, you know, if everybody is vulnerable or if just a subset of organizations are vulnerable or if anybody at all is vulnerable. So, yeah, I mean, the worst case scenario for users of the secure ID technology is that the numbers that would appear on the screen are predictable to someone to an external entity and that it's you know wipes out the validity of having the second factor right which is already most more than most sites and most things have when you add the second factor and if the second factor is important to you you should probably um, be asking some serious questions of your RSA representative um, to and and perhaps if you're paranoid you should be considering alternative second factor technologies, uh, especially for high risk or, uh, you know, if, if RSA is not going to say what happened, which um, perhaps they may, you know, hide behind the legal blanket of it's an ongoing investigation, we can't talk about it. But if that's the case, and it's even true, that's going to be very damaging to their business. Because if you have high security um, requirements at this point, then I would not be using Secure ID. Yeah. And in the meanwhile, in the next 30 days, while you're figuring out how you're going to roll out your new second factor technology, if that's what you decide to do, you should install Sophos Antivirus. Oh, no, wait. <laughs> no, no, no. You should make sure your first factor is very secure. You should make sure that your password policies and, and stuff like that are quite secure within your environment. More secure than, say, celebrity cell phones, yes. password <laughs> codes, and things like that, yes. Um, so I think that's probably about all there is to be said there, which is if you are a user of Secure ID, don't panic. Mm -hmm. But if you have ex uh, if you have exceptionally high security requirements, you probably should be implementing a third factor on those systems, at least temporarily. Um, moving along, Microsoft seems to have a limitless budget for going after botnets that have no impact on our security. I don't know if they have no impact. I mean, Rustux said on a lot of spam. Sure. Yeah. I mean, there, you, you could argue that um, Rustux is an important part of the Internet. I mean, Microsoft in their press release suggested that it was responsible for 70% of the spam on the Internet. Um, looking at the data from Sophos Labs, we've seen about an 8% increase since Rustux went down. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's great that they took down a botnet. Yep. Uh, I'm fan I'm thrilled to death that they have the millions of dollars and the lawyers to do this stuff. Yeah, keep, keep at it. Keep at it. And as long as they can take down two botnets a year, that means that the number of botnets will only increase at a slightly less exponential pace. Got to start somewhere. 
I, I, I'm, I'm pleased. I, I'm not really trying to rip on them, but um, the idea of doing this for press alone and giving people a false sense of change um, is a bit strange to me. Um, I mean, the, the, the press was all, oh, my God, oh, my God, the spam is falling, the spam is falling. And this is just not true. I mean, it's great work, but it, it you know, we need to we need to automate taking down the botnets the same way they've automated creating them. Um, so go Microsoft, rah rah. Rim uh, had a little follow up to the BlackBerry being pwned to own, and unlike some of the other competitors at pwned to own, their response is turn off JavaScript on your cell phone. Yeah, so we're gonna make the BlackBerry mobile browser even less usable. Well, it pretty much puts, so if you have a BlackBerry OS 6 device, like the new Torch, Bold, etc., then you have the new, quote, usable browser that has the JavaScript, and you can turn it off and make it unusable like the BlackBerry OS 5 users who aren't vulnerable. Um, it's kind of an interesting thing. I mean, the good thing with the RIM devices is that you can at least centrally control settings like that. So if you want to turn it off, you can control that. That's good news. It, it does kind of speak to the actual risk, though. I mean, how many BlackBerry users actually use their browser their browsers on their Blackberries for any significant amount of browsing? It's pretty minimal. Um, uh, I think with OS six devices, you'll find that people use it more frequently than they used to. I mean, I, I since I've upgraded my BlackBerry device, I find the browser much more functional, and I do use it for keeping up with you know the news, the the slash dot, the register, the uh, the the Twitterage, you know, this kind of stuff, and it's it's functional. It, it's not bad. Um, it's certainly not good, but it's not bad. And, and will you continue to use it without JavaScript? Um, well, I don't really have a choice at the moment. I've um, disabled the JavaScript on my device as instructed by RIM. Um, I do have an alternative browser installed that I'm not sure I want to admit that I would name. But <laughs> it starts with an O and it ends with an A. Um, so I've, I've been using that as well when I need JavaScript. But um, Well, hopefully they'll, they'll close the, uh, the hole and you don't have to continue to use the fat singing lady to, uh, to browse the web. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm nothing against Nordic peoples, but um, perhaps they should take up other hobbies. Moving along, um, shockingly, so we talked about the Adobe vulnerability last week, and I I misattributed part of the vulnerability to Reader, which was incorrect, and I did put an errata in the blog post. Um, it is a bug in specifically in Flash, which of course is also embedded in Reader, which my it's, my it's my hard argument, to keep track. Yeah, I mean, you know, my rant about the fact that why is there Reader in my Flash and why is there chocolate in my peanut butter and uh, it holds valid still. However, the actual vulnerability is in Flash itself. Um, Google has released a update to Chrome that fixes the Flash vulnerability before it's fixed in the actual Flash that you get from Adobe. So we still haven't seen a patch from Adobe fixing the Flash vulnerability, but the latest version of Chrome with its own embedded Flash is fixed. So they didn't actually patch the Flash. They patched the Chrome rendering layer in the Flash or something? like. No, they patched the Flash that's in the Chrome. Without having access to the source code? Well, I presume they got the fix from Adobe and that Adobe's just still okay. going through the QA process and that Google's just jumped the gun. So they just beat it. release, basically. Yeah, I would assume. I, I can't imagine that they're um, hacking Adobe's code without permission. I, I get the impression that the Adobe team and the Chrome team are quite close, actually. That's good. Um, no, it is good. I mean, the, the, when, when Adobe had announced their sandboxing in Reader X uh, or Reader 10, I don't know which way they say it. I need to call some Adobe people and find out. Um, but... Uh, 
when they announced the sandboxing technology, they had specifically mentioned all the tips and tricks they had gotten from the Chrome team and from the Microsoft team on using Microsoft's sandboxing APIs, et cetera, in order to help implement that. So it sounds like the three of them are quite cozy in cooperating on security issues, which is great news. And the Chrome team continues to do a great job in terms of providing secure internet browsing. Well, shockingly, right? I mean, the Pwn to Own again. Yeah, I mean, Pwn to Own within hours, there was a new Chrome update that fixed the vulnerabilities in Chrome from Pwn to Own. Um, you know, this situation where they're patching the product before the vendor itself has even released a patch. They've been all over this stuff. I think this I, is I, great I, news. I, I wouldn't call it shockingly at this no? point. I'm, you expect I, that from I, 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 I'm starting to. No, you remember, respect. these are the people that got owned because they use IE6. Sure, back in the day. But I mean. Not even Chrome. They didn't mention the fact that they weren't. Well, using there's Chrome. internal security in the security they provide for the platform. They were also one of the leaders in providing. HTTPS security on, on their platform and, you know, got there before Twitter and Facebook and all those guys. And so, I mean, I, certainly they're not perfect, but I think they are starting to become a better model of how to do things than some of the others. So I, I, I love the auto-updating in Chrome, for example. So you're saying if we need security role models, they probably aren't named Steve and that they're likely named Sergey, which is a bit shocking. Mm, well, I, I guess... Usually when we mention Sergeys, it's because of somebody being pwned. And Sergey's doing the poning, but yes. In this case, we have a hero, Sergey and Larry, according to Mr. Argas. So you have that on the record on March twenty first, two thousand eleven. That <laughs> includes Sophos Security Chat Chat episode fifty three. Thank you for joining us. Uh, as usual, all of our podcasts are available at podcasts.sophos.com on iTunes and via RSS. For the latest news, please read our non blog at nakedsecurity.sophos.com. And until next time, stay secure. <laughs>